To paraphrase Charles Dickens, it was the best of venues, it was the worst of venues. On this episode of Tales from South Florida, it's the tale of the Hollywood Sportatorium. Welcome to Tales from South Florida. I'm your host, Bill Monty. If, like me, you grew up in South Florida and attended concerts in the 70s and 80s, then you also, like me, attended concerts at the Hollywood Sportatorium. And what a place it was. There was a time when it was the only venue of its kind in South Florida, and that made for a really unique experience. I remember, I think my first concert, if I'm not mistaken, was, I'm going to say like late 1976, maybe 1977, somewhere around there. I never really considered at that time, why was it called the Sportatorium? There weren't any sports going on in it. What was a Sportatorium anyway? The Hollywood Sportatorium, if you never went there, if you never saw it, was this big hangar-like facility sitting next to the Hollywood Motorsports Speedway out in the middle of nowhere, middle of the Everglades, basically. So why a Sportatorium? Well, when it was built in 1968, and it was built by two guys, Norman Johnson and Stephen Calder, Stephen Calder would go on to build Calder Racetrack. And as many of you know now, if you still live in South Florida, there's a uh, casino, Calder Casino, next to that racetrack. But at the time, they had built the Hollywood Motorsports uh, Speedway about four years before the Sportatorium was built. And the Sportatorium was to add on to having more sports out there for South Florida. Specifically, they were looking to bring hockey and basketball. Now, think about it. Back in 1968, there was no Florida Panthers. There was no Marlins. There was no heat except in the summertime. And the Miami Dolphins were a fledgling team that really weren't very good. So the thought of bringing in these franchises down here was actually a pretty good one. The problem was that when the Sportatorium was built, although it was originally conceived to have like 18,000 seats, it only had about 6,000 there wasn't a roof on it. The seats weren't permanent. There was no air conditioning. So eventually, it became the home for the concerts. Now, the first really big group to play at the Hollywood Sportatorium was in 1971, and that group was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. About a month later, Led Zeppelin stopped by, and after that, the sky was the limit. Now, again, I have to say, having attended concerts there, there was nothing like it. First off, getting there was really an adventure. Hollywood Boulevard, now called Pines Boulevard, but back then it was Hollywood Boulevard, was a two-lane road. After you passed going west, you passed University Drive, there was nothing out there. Hard to believe now with all the shopping centers and restaurants and homes and everything else that's out there if you still live here. But there was nothing. Oh, yeah, there was a Union 76 gas station after a couple of miles. There was a golf course that had a Holiday Inn attached to it, some kind of country club. And then until you got out to the Sportatorium, literally, there was just nothing else. Because there was no other venue that could hold big rock acts like this in South Florida, when a big name came to town, everyone from Broward County, Miami-Dade County, Palm Beach County came to see these acts. So the traffic was unimaginable. The only way to get there, really, if you were coming from another county, was the Florida Turnpike. So often the traffic would go from 
all the way out. Think of it if you live here now. It was uh, the Hollywood Sportatorium was just past where I-75 is. So I-75 and Pines Boulevard. So the traffic would go from there all the way east to the Florida Turnpike. And the only other way to get there, because I-75 didn't exist back then, the only way to get there was US-27. No one was going to take US-27 from Miami to get to the Sportatorium. So getting there was an adventure, especially when night was falling. The traffic was so bad that some people would just park their cars on the side of the road and just start walking. Once you got there, you parked as best you could, and you went and waited in this gathering, this large group outside of the gates. When they opened the gates, you had to go through security. There was a pat-down for drugs. I don't know. They didn't do a very good job because once you got in, man, (laughs) the smell of, of marijuana was everywhere. But So I don't know what they were patting us down for. Cheap thrills, maybe? I don't know. But once you got through the security and you got into the place, you found your seat, you were in for really just such an experience. Now, in the mid-70s, the Sportatorium went through a renovation. So seats were added, an upper level was added, air conditioning was added. didn't really work that well. They had to add air conditioning because in the early days of the concerts, it was so hot that Sportatorium, often called the Sporto, earned a new nickname, the Sweto or the Sweatatorium. And even after the AC was put in, sometimes it wasn't that great. Another huge problem at the Sportatorium was if it was raining outside, it was probably raining inside. The leaks were terrible. I believe it was Robert Plant who had to postpone a concert for one night because it was raining so bad inside of the building And he famously told the crowd at the next night performance, I've never been rained out inside a building before. Those were the joys of the Sportatorium. Now, once you were in, hopefully you ate before you came. There weren't a lot of food choices there. If I recall correctly, everything was like a concession kind of stand and not a very good one. If you go to the arenas in Miami or or, or Fort Lauderdale or, you know, wherever it might be, and you're used to seeing food courts and all these options of sweets where food is brought to you, not the way it was, my friends. Uh, You went to like a concession type stand. I think they sold popcorn, maybe pizza, hot dogs or hamburgers, something like that. You could get soda and beer. And that was about it. it. It really wasn't fancy at all. But you didn't go there for the food. You really didn't expect them to have anything, and you were happy for whatever you got. The other really great challenge were the bathrooms. I think the Hollywood Sportatorium might have had the first unisex bathroom in the state because I can tell you many times when I was in the men's room, the women were flowing in because the line was so long, they they just couldn't wait any longer. And the women would come and patiently wait outside of a stall. Very brave of them because I wouldn't have gone into those stalls even if I had to. But there was never any trouble. There was always a great Woodstock kind of vibe there. You know, the concerts were just a lot of fun. The Sportatorium was a unique experience. So once you got past the traffic, the security, the food, and the bathrooms, now came the really fun time. The the bands would come out on stage. Unfortunately, sometimes the sound didn't exactly help out the bands. Billy Joel once called it an acoustical nightmare. And uh, I believe it was Roger Waters who said it was a necessary inconvenience to play the Sportatorium. Because again, remember, if if you want to play indoors in South Florida, that was it. The only other places to play were Pirates World, who had, uh, had an outdoor stage. But they closed, what, 1972, I think? 
So that wasn't going to help. Sometimes the Miami baseball stadium would have outdoor concerts. The Orange Bowl might have them, but they were all outdoors. If it rained, there wasn't going to be a concert. So this was it. So even though the sound was sometimes god-awful, I'll tell you a, a story I remember. I went, we went and saw Crosby, Stills, and Nash. It was like the middle of the concert, and the crowd was really rowdy. Now, we weren't rowdy because we were out of control. The sound was so bad, it was messing up the acoustics of the beautiful harmonies of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. But I remember they stopped, and David Crosby just started yelling at us, (laughs) saying we were the worst crowd they'd ever performed before. And who knows, we might have been. Because the crowds at the Sportatorium could get loud and rowdy. That's just the truth. Firecrackers began to make their way into concerts. Bruce Springsteen vowed never to play the Hollywood Sportatorium again when excessive firecrackers ruined his concert. If you were unlucky enough to have the row underneath the overhang, you probably were going to get beer or soda dumped on your head from the people above. So maybe not always Woodstock, huh? But it still was a lot of fun, unless you got beer or soda dumped on your head or burned by a firecracker. But it was the concerts in and of themselves. So who were some of the great acts that came into the Hollywood Sportatorium? Well, Elvis Presley played there just a few months before his death. And Leonard Skinner played there. And two weeks later, many of the band members were killed in a plane crash. I don't remember my first concert, but some of them that I do remember, I remember seeing Queen there. Thin Lizzy opened up for them. Thin Lizzy blew them away. Queen was the big star at the time. Bohemian Rhapsody was the biggest song in the world. But I remember Thin Lizzy just being so tight and their their set was so great. It was hard for Queen to come out and top them. And actually, in my mind, they didn't. I remember seeing Jethro Tull there. I was in the third row. Wow, what a concert that was. I remember Van Halen opening for Journey. Once again, Journey was one of the big bands. Van Halen was just starting out. I saw Blue Oyster Cult there. The Grateful Dead played there. Kiss, I saw Kiss there. Rush played there. John Denver. Okay, let's talk about one that wasn't a rock concert. John Denver played there. He had just made the movie Oh God. He was really popular. So he was there on like a circular stage, kind of doing a concert in the round. And the place was packed. I mean, it was really packed. And I got to say, that was a great concert. In my mind, actually, John Denver had one of the purest voices ever. And it came through. It wasn't just a recording studio voice. His voice was just as clear, even with the lousy acoustics at the Hollywood Sportatorium. And what a great show he put on. Talking about great voices, saw Hart there again. Ann Wilson, for me, up there with Robert Plant as the greatest rock vocalist that I ever saw. I'm not going to say of all time. I haven't seen them all. But all of the acts that played there, ACDC, Billy Idol, Billy Joel, we mentioned before, Cheap Tricks, all that one. Electric Light Orchestra, I remember them coming with that big flying saucer that went up and down on the stage. Of course, Foghat, Foreigner played there. Jay Giles Band, ah, the great Jay Giles Band. John Mellencamp, Madonna played there. REO Speedwagon, saw them there. You know, you could play that game. I could just list all the bands that played there and everyone in their home shout, I was there, and take a shot of something, just for the old times' sake, right, for good times. And those good times were not going to last forever. In 1976, the Sunrise Musical Theater opened in Sunrise, Florida. Again, when it opened, out in the middle of nowhere. It's now a church. And ironically, I work about three blocks from it. (laughs) It still looks the same, though. 
And I'll sometimes just pull into the parking lot and remember all the great concerts we saw there. Because of its small capacity, it wasn't able to attract the big rock artists at first. It attracted more of what we would have called our mothers and fathers acts. Barry Manilow, Frank Sinatra, the Beach Boys, Peter, Paul, and Mary. People like that, I know, went there. The other acts started coming. I remember seeing Santana there. Santana was a staple out at the Hollywood Sportatorium. With the opening of the Miami Arena in 1988, the Sportatorium's fate was effectively sealed. The last heavy metal group to perform at the arena was Judas Priest in 1988, and the final show on October 21st of 1988, held at the Hollywood Sportatorium, was not a rock act. It was the country music act, Highway 101. It wasn't long after that people just stopped booking the Hollywood Sportatorium altogether. It went into disrepair in 1993 after several years of not being used at all, as well as suffering some hurricane damage from Hurricane Andrew. The Hollywood Sportatorium was torn down. A Sedano supermarket now occupies the precise site where the arena once stood. Some of the Sportatorium's target business would return to Broward County in 1988 with the completion of the Florida Live Arena. Uh, Originally it was called the National Car Rental Center Arena. I don't know what it's called right now. It changes names about every two years. But it's where the Florida Panthers play. For those of us who were alive during the time of the Hollywood Sportatorium, it housed some memories that can never be replaced, that can never be matched. Those were some great times. All of us in there screaming for our favorite bands, frankly, getting high, traveling on that road together, waiting in line at Specs to buy the tickets for the Big Axe or Sears. Those were some wonderful times. What are your favorite concerts and memories from the Hollywood Sportatorium? I'd like you to share them with me so that we can share them on an upcoming episode. I'll let you know how to do that in just a moment. We'll be right back. Friends, this break in the show could be me talking about your business or service. The rates are great. We have upfront spots before the episode, mid-break in the middle, or you could be an episode subject sponsor. Perhaps you'd like to sponsor an entire episode or maybe the entire season. Need more information? Email me at billmonty04 at gmail.com. Now back to the show. The Hollywood Sportatorium was more than just a building that housed the biggest names in music. It was the place in South Florida where we all gathered to party, to get to know each other, and to make memories that will live forever. We would love to hear your memories of the Hollywood Sportatorium. Write to us at talesfromsouthflorida at gmail.com or give us a call and leave a message. That phone number is 754-800-3170, 754-800-3170. We would love to hear from you and maybe we'll use your memory in an upcoming episode. I mentioned before that Emerson, Lake, and Palmer was the first big-name rock act to play the Sportatorium. They'll be returning to South Florida at the Parker in Fort Lauderdale. February 20th, 2024. I might be there. If you're there, stop by and say hi. This is Bill Monty. Join me next time as we spend more tales from South Florida. And remember, we'll see you on the flip side. (laughs) 